When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. Welcome in to the Denver Sports Podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. I am your host, Jesse Montano, joined again by just an all-star grouping of our, uh, our DNBR beat reporters here. I got Patrick Lyons from our Rockies crew, Harrison Wynn from our Nuggets team, and then uh, my partner in crime over on DNBR Avalanche, AJ Hayfley. Uh, how's everyone doing today? Everyone good? Sun's out? Doing beautiful good, day. man. Good. It's a beautiful good, day. Good, I was good. out all morning. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's just a little bit of like a breeze in the air, so it's like nice kind of crisp. It's a nice one. winter day. We'll take we'll take uh we'll take this one for sure. Uh cool guys, been uh, been a little bit since we got together. We had the goaties last week, so uh we we uh, put out some of our conversations around goaties. Um, you know, as, as our Denver sports podcast last week. So everyone got caught up on all of that. Uh, what did everyone think of the goaties? I mean, Devon Taves, one newcomer of the year. So that was really, that was the big one for me. That was all I cared uh, about. <laughs> uh, but no, everyone, uh, everyone have fun last week doing uh goatee stuff, uh, around the bar shows before. I was stoked that you guys, uh, allowed the Rockies to participate in that. So like, that was kind of the big W. <laughs> that exact question actually and i appreciate that you you heard my case and you listened to it and it was like you know what no the rockies are pro sports in this town and so (laughs) that that was great to be in the final four in a couple of those uh, votes and contests so i I appreciate it thank you guys final four the rockies are a pro sports team in denver that's correct we did confirm that last week uh (laughs) no guys a couple things that have kind of cropped up in sports over the last couple weeks 
um, that have just kind of led to me having some conversations with, with other folks. I was in Vegas for the uh, all-star game for the NHL this past weekend. And again, just talking to people and, and I thought I'd just get uh, some, some takes from you guys on, on kind of what has been going on around sports and, and what you guys think, how it impacts Denver sports, um, how it impacts just the pro leagues in general. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, something that we were talking about a little bit, actually, before the show started, an expansion, um, the NHL. There's kind of some options that they're having with some of the turmoil that the Arizona Coyotes are in. Um, and, and, and there's people that are talking about, is there a way to kind of fold that and roll it into a new expansion to get the fee? We're going to get into all that. But I want to talk to you guys a little bit about ownership and, and you know, teams owners. Obviously, locally here we got the Denver Broncos who are really on a, fitting. We don't have a Broncos person on today because I, there's no I know. There. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I was trying to get a, a Broncos guy on here, uh, but schedules just weren't lining up. But obviously, there's a search going on in town for a new owner. Looks like it's going to set the all-time record for a sports franchise in terms of what that final sale price uh, will come in at, but. Um, it happened in the hockey world, but I'm sure it has at least come across your uh, Twitter screens. Last week in Chicago, uh, Chicago Blackhawks owner Rocky Wirtz took what was a bad situation. They were doing a press conference about it to try and kind of move on, um, put everything in the past and talk about moving forward. And well, basically the owner got on stage and made everything about 50 times worse. He yelled at reporters, uh, yelled it at his son, who's another executive within the organization, um, all on stage. And now they are having to change their GM search to fit to work with this owner in Rocky Wirtz and try to do some damage control. So I look at uh, the, the folks that I've got on here and you've got, you've got uh, Stan Kroenke, you've got the Momforts. And we've got a bit of a unique perspective on on ownership. And, you know, you you see uh, teams in the NFL, like the Cowboys, whose owners are very involved. I mean, literally down to play calling and stuff like that. So I'm wanting to get your guys' takes. Patrick, I'm going to start with you. The Montforts are phenomenal real estate developers. Phenomenal. Uh, and, and, and you know, they're great business people. But how do they actually impact the product on the field? How involved are they? And, and I guess, what would you like to see from them just kind of starting the conversation here? Well, you're right about the, the business aspect, and, and that's totally different than running a, a sports franchise. I think, you know, they're very much about staying within the margins and those, those profit margins and, and only spending so much on payroll. They've done a good job on the payroll. But I think there's been a, a lot lacking as far as understanding how to squeeze out a couple extra wins and losses when it comes to the things that really help develop a winning baseball organization from drafting and developing and signing and trading free agents. There's still so much where they are you know, behind the eight ball, and they've really put themselves there by not investing in analytics being one of those big things. They finally kind of revitalize that within their their organization this past off season which is nice to see but it's something that even as of a couple years ago recently extended manager bud black said eh, we might be already five years or more behind all of the other teams and so that's one of those areas where if you invest highly in analytics 
and your scouting department, then you can find those players that make a, a big difference in the long run. But it's not something that immediately translates to wins and losses. It's just one of those investments you have to make to be a successful team. And they don't do that that terribly well. Uh, but what the Dick Monfort does do terribly well is put his nose in the business at times in which it's uh, it's not really necessary and it, it's really hurt the organization in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, number one, really being the the ability to to trade players at the the trade deadline when a season seems pretty much lost, and really trying to give a boost to to future rosters. It's something that happened back in 2014 with Ubaldo Jimenez, uh, not Ubaldo Jimenez, excuse me, a Jorge De La Rosa, where he was going to be traded, and the Rockies would have acquired a, a really good pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Monfort stepped in and. and nullified this deal according to Peter Gammons when they could have gotten a really good player and brought back uh, Jorge De La Rosa as a free agent that offseason. So that was that, uh, you know, inserting himself into a situation that didn't really need to happen. Uh, And he tends to do that a little bit from time to time. And I think it really, really cuts off uh, some of the people in the organization at the legs. And uh, it, it doesn't help uh, in the, in the overall culture. And that's something that new GM Bill Schmidt is really trying to work on going forward. Now Harrison, it, it doesn't ahead, make any, it doesn't make any sense that if you're an organization that has to draft and develop well, right. that you would not invest more in that side of things behind the scenes. Like they should have one of the most robust scouting departments. They should be all in on analytics. Uh, they should be, they should be cutting edge. They should be leading the way in investments behind the scenes because they're not going to sign free agents. They're not a destination for players. They are a graveyard for players' careers. They're a last stop for a player to say, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big league ball player. And they've, they've developed that reputation because they did that to themselves. And And how much, how much of that is ownership and how much is that mismanaging the team at, at, you know, GM level at a manager level? Well, I, I mean, what what Patrick is saying is that they kind they're they're too frequently going hand in hand, hand in hand, yeah. where they're cutting off the GM's power to do things to to better the franchise uh, by just being meddlesome. And so Harrison, AJ, and I are used to literally the exact opposite with the Abs. Yeah. The owner doesn't get involved to any capacity. I'm curious if, if that's kind of the same on the nugget side, if, if Stan Kroenke for the most part, I mean, he, he's more of like, you know, heard from occasionally, but never seen. Uh, occasionally would be strong. Even um, <laughs> <laughs> Stan Kroenke never heard from Josh Kroenke. Who's really been running the team for the last, you know, decade plus is never really heard from either. And I think in most cases, that's a good thing. When you're an owner, I think it's one of the toughest things is to bridge the line between being like too visible and, you know, just operating in the shadows. Because like, imagine you, you come into owning a sports team. Like, of course you want to be out front. Yeah. Like this is my team. I'm running this shit. Like these are my people. I'm responsible (laughs) for every win that we have, but the best owners in the world are the ones who um, are in the shadows and hire the right people to do yeah. the job. And 
I think Josh Kroenke's done a great job running the Nuggets over the last, like I said, 12, 13, 14 years, however long he's been in charge. Um, he learned from the mistakes he made early on in his tenure. He hired the right people, and he's taken a total hands-off approach. And, yeah. you know, he's there, you know, when, when the Nuggets have to make a big trade and, you know, Tim Conley needs him to sign off on that. Um, when they're going to go into luxury tax next season, I believe, like the actual he's money there, side. He, He's there to give them that type of um, that okay to go ahead. So I think he's done a great job of kind of towing that line. It's it's interesting, uh, the Cronkies, because obviously hated in St. Louis for just how like the move ended up going, but hated hated by Arsenal fans for incompetence. Yeah, but you look at the Nuggets and the Avalanche, and when healthy, you have two legitimate title contenders who look how both of them developed into the powers that they are. They drafted well. They developed at a high level. They became model franchises in their respective leagues. And every every team is looking at – I mean, how many guys have have the Nuggets lost between the front office and the coaching staff in the last couple of years? Like the Nuggets branch, like the tree – of the Nuggets' recent success is starting to filter into other areas of the NBA. Yeah. You know, you look at uh, uh, Chicago's GM uh, and the the success that they're having, the, the the that the Bulls are having this year, and you look at a direct offshoot. You know, you look at uh, the I think it's the Wizards' coach, uh, Unseld, yeah, yeah, and there he was he was a, a Nuggets assistant for a long time. Yeah. So you're you're seeing that they are branching out. Other teams are recognizing the Nuggets' success, and and I think that it starts with an ownership group that says we'll invest in these things. We'll give you the resources that you need. We'll be patient because a lot of a lot of the problems that you see with bad organizations is that there's endless turnover. That they have four yeah. general managers in seven years, you know. Mm-hmm. Things like that, and you don't have that in either one of the Ball Arena franchises. They both have had, I mean, you had the 48-point season. You could have fired Joe Sackick, and everybody in the NHL would have been like. Yeah, would have yeah, made sense. that tracks. And instead, they stuck with them, and they stuck with the first-time head coach who just who threw up 60 losses in his first season. <laughs> and now you have now you have one of the one of the tandems. One of one of the most, you know, at least in terms of regular season success, obviously, one of the most successful GM head coach tandems of the last five years with those guys. And it starts with, hey, we've hired what we believe are the right people. We're gonna be patient, we're gonna give them the resources to succeed. It's amazing to me that Dick Munford isn't looking over at Ball Arena like Aww. I would be so embarrassed if I was Dick Munford, man. Right? How you know how that funny? is What's that? I was going to say, what's ironic too is how you talk about ownership not really even popping up at ball. Like he sits behind the Rockies dugout. Like he's there. So he's, in a weird way, he's accountable, but he's, again, he's doing the exact opposite of everything. Rather than trusting the people and putting them in place to do the job and say, hey, you guys are fantastic baseball people. I took you from another organization because you were successful over there. And if you could get that to work, then you probably have a good shot to maybe work, make it work over here. So I'm going to let you do your job and not look over your shoulder and let you turn this team into a perennial contender. 
Yeah. Fortunately, he doesn't do that. He's literally looking over the batter's shoulder every play, <laughs> literally on every pitch, <laughs> over well, his yes. right shoulder. Or and and shoulder. like for the love of all that is holy, stop responding to fan emails. Yeah, <laughs> like you. In theory, it's cool that he does that. Oh, rich guy does every every man thing. <laughs> but instead, it causes problems. It gets yes. that dude in real trouble. It, it is a great idea in theory, but the execution just really poor. They yeah, took, I mean, it, it's like how many times <laughs> do those emails get put on blast where you're just yeah. like... It's been a minute since it's happened, so I think they took the iPad away from him. Do you think they might have just put like a, a timer on his iPad? So like after 9 p.m., it just the internet <laughs> Wi-Fi just shuts off. Or it shuts it, off at 5 p.m. It's only working hours. They parental yeah. locked him. Well, it's like on The Office. They, you know, he, I think what is it? Creed. He thinks yeah, he Creed has a website. Blogspot.creed. Yeah, it's just a word document. <laughs> it's just a word document that Dick Monfort is sending emails at, and they're like, "Yeah, all right, cool, good job, good job." Yeah, get it dude, all yeah, out dude. here, Dick, because we don't want this going out anymore. People, I, people keep tweeting out your emails, and it's only causing trouble. I worked for a company that like. It would have because it had stuff that like could end up being customer facing. So if it it would detect certain words, and you'd have to get like a manager to override that you're allowed to actually put that. Maybe they just gave him something like that that they just loaded up with twenty thousand words that it all just gets automatically sent to someone to proofread. Well, when you have his first name, it's going to be hard for the you know the flags <laughs> to work appropriately. So they they must right. not have set it up with that in the system too strict or maybe they just do it that way so that they get every email it's like yeah, yeah. anytime the word dick is in it just send it straight to us so it automatically sends it but but you know harrison i think kind of where you were going with that was you know if you're dick monfort you're looking around denver and you are the only one that doesn't have a championship owner wise a championship to some capacity obviously the nuggets haven't brought one home yet but stan kroenke has got like he's got championships. I mean, shit, he's got a team in the Super Bowl right now. Obviously, it's not Denver, but, he, but you've got the Nuggets head with a conference finals appearance right. and oh, for sure. title success. The Rockies and, also have never even won their division. Right, I get it? They're, they play against the Dodgers, but they've never even finished first amongst yeah. five teams in their region. Playing against the Dodgers only became a bad thing like eight years ago. Yeah, it's true. Again, you you have twenty nine years of it. So again, you could fall out of a boat and, and hit water eventually at some point. And maybe they did in 2007, but they still haven't in the regular season won yeah. the NL West. Yeah. Well, well, so it's interesting because uh, just, just in this little bit that we've been kind of talking here, like, um, you know, we're talking about Stan Kroenke and, or the Kroenke's in general, how they generally kind of stay away from the team. And, you know, it's, it's led to the, to, for the abs, you know, they, they had a dip. They followed the rebuild process. It was maybe a little bit longer than you'd like, but they're now kind of back there. Same thing with the nuggets. They've kind of stuck to their process. The ownership has said, here, we're going to give you the tools to do the right, you know, to put the people in place that you think. But then you start thinking about, you know, like you said, Patrick, Dick mom first sitting behind the dugout. I think of, you know, if you watch any Dallas Cowboy game, there's an ISO cam on Jerry Jones the, the entire game. He's sitting in that weird evil villain layer at the draft making the picks last year. It, it almost seems like managers that get, or excuse me, owners that get overly involved almost exclusively cause more problems. Well, and like there are some examples of really front facing public facing owners that do have success. I mean, you look at Mark Cuban with the Mavericks. Cuban was going to be one. Like, I he's to like, up. I think the best example of it um, because 
like the general rule of thumb is if you know who the owner is, it's usually not a good thing. And if you know anything about the owner, right, it's usually not a good thing. Yeah. Um, but you also you also look at like what happened with like the Clippers. The Clippers are a great example of how culture matters because you have the worst owner in Donald Sterling for so many years. They are the dreads of dregs of of the NBA. They're no good. They don't invest. <clears throat> they have they have a terrible culture. Players hate Donald Sterling. He gets removed by the NBA. Steve Ballmer rolls in, gives them all the resources that they want. And the Clippers have been legitimately attractive for players. And they've had their most successful eras ever. The Clippers that, also just made up. a trade. The Clippers also just made a trade that's going to have them paying one of the biggest luxury tax bills like in NBA history yeah. this season when they're not even a contender. But Steve Ballmer is such a good owner that he recognizes, okay, we have all these great players. We're going to be a favorite again next season when Kawhi Leonard gets healthy. I'm fine shelling out an extra 100 mil to do that. Where He's a fine lot of shelling owners... out that money this year to lose yes, right. this year in hopes of it getting better next year. Exactly. Like it's it's the unicorn of owners. Like that's the kind of thing that you owners like, and especially in the NBA with the luxury tax, where they bend over backwards to to slip just under that thing. Right. You have when, when every oh, yeah when every NBA owner can afford to pay the luxury tax easily. Like yeah, that. Right. It, it's so funny when a trade happens to be <laughs> in the NBA and fans are like celebrating getting under the luxury tax. Like, yep, that's why we did that. Had to get under the luxury tax. Good work, guys. <laughs> like, like the Celtics were doing uh, last week when they made that trade. Um, when they traded with the Nuggets. Like, yep, we got under the luxury tax. Good work. We don't have to pay that this year. <laughs> Every NBA owner can can pay the luxury tax. Every single one. Yeah. I, I love I, I do I do love that point that, that fans are like, yes, under it. Like <laughs> you you know that's not your money, right? <laughs> right? Like in, in comparison with Balmer, because I think he's like the third wealthiest owner in the four major sports. He's he's definitely up there. Yeah. Dick Monfort is for the Rockies is I think the 26th wealthy mm-hmm. in baseball. Like he's one of only a oh, few wow. that's not worth a billion dollars. So well, and then during their labor negotiations, <laughs> yeah. kids kicked out because he got he was whining about how much it costs to own a baseball team. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and the owners were like, Dick, you can't come back to this. You're not welcome <laughs> back in this room. You're not wrong, AJ. Yeah, I, I, one, I think it was AJ. You, you use an interesting so cool. word there, and you, you said attract new players, and that's one thing I do think a lot about with the ABS. And one area where ABS, ABS fans, and and if you truth serumed any ABS player, they would absolutely say this. Well, I want to know how much it actually has an impact, and also want to know from Harrison facilities. And, and what you're actually <laughs> investing into your team. Yeah. The Avalanche uh, play at an indoor theme park. <laughs> That's where they practice. Now, when you walk through the belly of Ball Arena, the Nuggets look like they've gotten some recent upgrades. One, how much does that type of stuff actually play in? If you're talking about a free agent wanting to come to a team in any sport, how much does facilities and where you play and the locker rooms and stuff like that how much do you guys think that actually plays in and do owners need to be putting money there? 
Harrison, what, what's it like for the Nuggets? So, I mean, the Nuggets have a, a practice court in Ball Arena that yeah. when Ball Arena Pepsi Center was built, like to have a court inside the arena as a practice court, that was like a state-of-the-art thing. That was huge back then. Now it's super outdated. Like now it's it's kind of crazy. Like my high school gym was bigger than the Nuggets practice court. <laughs> it's it's really really small, especially when you walk in there and there's you know 17 players and 12 coaches. It's like this is crazy. Um, yeah. So like I I know I was saying earlier that Josh Kroenke's been really good. He has been in a lot of areas. Um, the Kroenke's still you know they did invest in a G League team until this season. They're one of the last NBA holdouts for that. And I mean, the reason behind that is is pretty cut and dry. Like G League teams just don't make money. They're pretty much like money pits, but it's good for organizational development. Um, So that, that took them the while to come around on the practice facility is another thing. And I think it, it really does matter to free agents. Um, I, I think it does. Now, playing with a guy like Nikola Jokic is going to matter more. Like, that's right. going to be more important than having a state-of-the-art practice facility. But I definitely think it helps. That's, like, the next big thing the Nuggets and Avs need. Yeah. Like, I wonder if the Rams win a championship. Is that going to give Kroenke enough cash to be like, all right, <laughs> I can finally build the practice facility? Yeah. Well, and, and there's been the, – so there's a major development – that the Cronkies are involved in, uh, in redeveloping the ball arena area. Yeah. Uh, and the plan is for it to be done by 2040. And part is, is of the, that is the world going to be here in 2040 <laughs> right around the we're corner, all, we're all, buddy, we're all going to die a horrible heat death long before that, but <laughs> it's whatever. Okay. Uh, that's what, that's what rich people do. They plan on how to make money 30 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what they're part of that redevelopment, um, you know, part of the part of the question around that redevelopment plan is. Are they going to use some of that space for facilities, because if they're going to stay at Ball Arena and they're going to continue to upgrade Ball Arena, which they keep doing, they keep investing in internal upgrades for the arena itself. uh, If they continue to do that. uh it only makes sense for them to put that infrastructure around the, you know, with the practice facilities for both the nuggets and the abs in the same building right next to it so that your players can then have all the convenience in the world. They, they don't have to have a key fob for a pseudo amusement park that they get into, (laughs) right? Like that they have to roll into and park and just hope that their car doesn't get broken into while it's behind that shitty chain link fence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, right. Like sometimes you drive by and it's just wide open, just wide open. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes it's full. So they're having to like parallel out on like yeah. the frontage road. Yeah. Like during training <laughs> camp, you've got like player cars, like popping out of it. They can't get in there. Right. It's, yeah. Real, real nice hundred thousand like, dollar cars. We're talking, we're talking about like, yeah, like Ryan O'Reilly's like Lamborghini was legit just like sitting there one day and it was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like behind the fire station. Like, yeah. It's, it's to the point where like we joke about it all the time. And like, yes, they did take all of the carnival equipment out of there. Uh, 
But I mean, you Good. still walk I'm, into I'm that. I'm glad they did that. Good move. You still walk <laughs> into that facility, and the Avalanche, the NHL team's locker room, is regularly used by beer league teams and like rec league yeah. teams that use that facility. Yeah. Like yeah. regularly, their ice is being used in that way. Uh, their facilities get used, and you're just like, this is an NHL team. Right. Like, this isn't like a poor NHL team. This is not the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona Coyotes have a nicer practice facility than the Avs do. Well, and for them during training camp, for the Avs to get up to like their meal room, they have to go through a bar and grill. That yeah, is, they like, go through with... the kitchen of the restaurant and pop out. Yeah. And you're just okay. like, well, it's a food court, right? I mean, it's <laughs> what's on the menu today. Oh, curly fries again. I don't think this Perfect. is good for my body. Can I get a chalky milk with that too? Um, well, and Patrick, the, the Rockies kind of have the opposite problem in that they have one of the most beautiful ballparks in the country, and then the product on the field doesn't quite match. Yeah, I was talking uh, with Drew Goodman about this last week at how well Rockies management has done in keeping Coors Field you know, relevant and, and nice and up to date. It was only a few years ago that they had a, a three-phase project to you know make sure that the the, the club level at, at the 200 was good. You know, they put the big new scoreboard up in left field. So they've, they've kept it up really nice. And then when you talk about their spring training facility down in Arizona and in, in Scottsdale, it's the nicest in all of at least the cactus league. It's probably the nicest in all of baseball. And, you know, I'd, I'd been to a lot of them, but it wasn't until I was down in the Arizona fall league to actually cover some of the games that I realized that like even the next nicest spring training facility is still like only half as good. Like salt river fields right. where the Rockies and diamondbacks both train at is twice as good as the next best facility. So, you know, it's, it's like 11 years old, so it's not that old. And just the stadium itself is really beautiful. So they've, they've got it top notch, both, you know, at home at Coors field and where they, they do their spring training at it's, it's state of the art. It's fantastic. Imagine that the, the real estate guys are good at developing real estate. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? It's just, it's, it's all interesting conversation. And, and as we kind of progress through the, the, you know, the Broncos finding an owner, you know, there's a lot of conversation around, Oh, well, hopefully they get someone here and just builds a badass stadium and does this, that, and the other, um, you know, I was talking with someone in Vegas and we were looking out at Allegiant field um, or Allegiant stadium. And that's a beautiful. Stark. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful facility out there. And and that was kind of what got all this talking was like, they said to me, they're like, yeah, hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully the Broncos get Jeff Bezos and he'll just build this awesome facility. And I was like, well, is that all that you need the owner to do is just make sure you got facilities on stuff. And while that's part of it, I just think it's a really interesting conversation. And I think we have an interesting mix of owners um, in Denver in terms of involved, not involved, um, they, they all kind of seem to prioritize differently. So I, I look forward to seeing who the Broncos bring in. Uh, so I'm sure this conversation will be had again. Uh, this is of course the Denver sports podcast brought to you guys by Breckenridge brewery. Also brought to you guys by one of our, uh, newest and most exciting, uh, partners at athletic greens. Uh, look, it's a product that, that I just, I just found out about and I'm getting to the point where, uh, my girlfriend has gotten me using it or taking it. A bunch. She takes it every single day. Uh, she's always looking for something. My girlfriend goes to work very early. She has to be there at 7.30 a.m. Um, and she likes her sleep. So she'd always be frustrated because getting up in the morning, trying to get stuff that filled you up, makes you feel good, doesn't bog you down. 
Um, and she had actually seen athletic greens. So when I came home, said they're a partner of ours, uh, we just had to try it out. Uh, she's got more energy. Uh, it's, it's got 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, uh, it's got whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, a word that I've definitely known for longer than two weeks, um, uh, to help you start your day, right? Uh, it's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, basically all the things in one scoop of athletic greens. It is a lifestyle friendly or it's lifestyle friendly, whether you're eating keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. Look, it's still the beginning of the year. Everyone's still on their diets, right? Or, or at least claiming to be. Um, so one scoop of athletic greens gets you taken care of across all of it, fills you up in the morning, gets you feeling nice. And it is less than $3 a day and you are investing in your health. So you know it's cheaper than that cold brew habit that you've got. Uh, right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially right now uh, with all the stuff floating around in the air, flu, it's cold season, uh, COVID, you got a little bit of everything. Uh, this is going to help boost your immune system. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different peels, uh, pills, supplements. Uh, to look out for your health and to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first first purchase. All you have to do is go to Athletic Greens slash TDSP. Again, that's Athletic Greens slash TDSP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Head on over to Athletic Greens dot com slash tdsp this is the denver sports po podcast brought to you guys by breckenridge brewery uh this next segment yeah thanks you here uh this next segment actually was inspired by uh our producer you here behind the <clears throat> scenes uh having a conversation with him last week and again it also ties in to those very arizona coyotes aj was just talking about um Again, if you're not familiar, the Arizona Coyotes of the NHL, they're in some financial trouble. Uh, they are in uh, some arena trouble. They, right now, as it stands, do not have a place to play next year. Looks like they may be um, playing for three years out of Arizona State University's new 5,000-person arena. Um, 5,000 seats for an NHL team. For it's an intimate. NHL team. Yeah, yeah. So... There's a lot of conversation about what they're going to do and, and one of the talk about what the league's going to do. And one of the talking points is the reason that the league isn't very incentivized to move them is because when you move them, really you're granting a new market, a team, but no one else really gets to benefit from it because there's no expansion fee, anything like that. There so is that a relocation fee. Relocation fee, much smaller. So yeah, one of the things... Smaller. One of the things that, that has kind of been proposed is that the Coyotes be sold back to the league. The league kind of dissolves them and then grants an expansion to a new city, getting that fat $500 million expansion fee. Everyone gets a slice, yada, yada, yada. Well, you can, I, and I, can I ask you a quick question just as an aside? Yeah. If yeah. the Coyotes dissolved and they had a dispersal draft, would there oh, yeah. be enough players in the organization 
for each of the other 31 teams to get a, get somebody? Because uh, I don't think that there are 31 players in that organization. That's an that interesting I would question, yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if so, would somebody would just be that. out of a job. <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I think there would be, like, the last 10 teams would be, like, pass. Well, <laughs> well see... See, I think yeah, seriously, yeah, we're good. The players' I, I association what... might not be allowed in their in their CBA to totally, basically cut all of these jobs, right? So I don't, I don't think that could actually be allowed, would it? Well, so what I think they would do is the organization would be dissolved, but then that expansion expansion franchise would be granted that grouping of players. So it would be a ro- relocation with an expansion fee, essentially. Right. Um, and, and this I'm is not happening. I'm not paying seven or eight hundred million dollars for this version of the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> right, right. See me in six months after they've made all their draft picks, but right now, hell to the nah. Yeah, and this yeah. has happened in baseball in, in a lot of ways. This is kind of what's going on the Expos. right now. Right, exactly. And, but if you, even if you look at the Oakland and Tampa Bay right now, they've got those same situations where MLB wants Oakland to get that situation figured out and basically make Oakland pay for a new stadium and in Tampa Bay and in the Tampa area, St. Petersburg or Ybor city to get that sorted out. So you can keep those two markets and then expand. And now you've got four or five, six cities, whatever it is to be more inclined to pay that price. So if you move Arizona coyotes, if you get them out of there, you're also now like killing a market that you right. might not have a chance to tap into and have other cities you know, vie against. So you want to almost like leave them there, even though they might be losing money, just so that yep. you can have the opportunity, as you said, for those expansion fees. And yeah, the, the Expos MLB did that where they purchased the Expos and that stuck around for a little while until right. they moved to Washington, D.C. Well, yeah, uh, the NHL has previously owned the Coyotes, so this wouldn't even be the first time <laughs> this has happened. Yeah, second second time owners there. But so the question I want, and this is kind of a fun little anecdotal conversation. We don't have to go too too long on it. But first question is, where would you guys in whatever sport your respective sports that you cover, where is there left in North America to expand? And two, at what point are you crossing over? I am of the opinion that the NHL is nearing its kind of ceiling in terms of how many teams it can have. So I think you start watering down the talent. You hear made the argument last week that, well, no, you water it down for a few years, but then eventually enough comes up through the pipeline that it becomes competitive again. I don't know how I feel about that. Any of you feel strongly on on either of those? Where is left to go and... How many is too many? The NBA could definitely expand to two more franchises, I think. There's so much talent in the NBA right now. They even expanded the rosters by a couple players over the last few years, and there's still just a ton of talent elsewhere in Europe, in the G League. Um, So I think the NBA could definitely do two more teams. The obvious place for the NBA to go is Vegas. Yeah, and now now there's um, an NHL team there. Uh, obviously, an NFL team like Vegas is just so obvious, and also because basketball is just such a it's such a bettable sport. Also, it, it like makes so much sense. Um, and well, then the, see the popularity of the of UNLV there. It's basketball program. I mean, basketball's yeah. been really successful in Vegas. 
It's yeah, indoors, it's a basketball but... state. It's a basketball state with UNLV and summer league there. <clears throat> um, so the NBA would be a hit there, and then the summer NBA league is there, huh? Yeah. yeah, the NBA really wants to go back to Seattle too, and that'd be like a total like goodwill move. Bring the Sonics <laughs> back. And also because like Seattle's a pretty big market that just doesn't have an NBA team. So I think the NBA will ultimately expand. It probably will take like five years or so, but I, I think that there's probably going to be something there. In baseball, yeah. again, five to 10 years, we'll see that expansion for, for two more teams. There's already cities kind of lining up. And, you know, for, for all three of our sports and even throw the NFL in, there's some sports that exist in uh, one city but, but not another. Like San Diego is, is only a baseball city now, which is crazy to think about. But for baseball, yeah. it's Vancouver, Portland, and Las Vegas on the West Coast. And then on the East Coast, Nashville, Montreal, and Charlotte. But if we're really going to get outside the box, internationally, obviously, you know, as I said, Vancouver, we know already exists in in, yeah. in hockey and, and used to in the NBA, but you could go Mexico City, which is being discussed a little bit for the NBA. But you think the Rockies have altitude problems? <laughs> but how about this for outside the box? At some point, someday, when you know all these leagues have let's say thirty six teams or something like that, we could see three teams in LA or three teams in the. Oh New York God. Country. Kill me. Just kill me right now. <laughs> New York market, I think it would fit a little bit better. Oh. Like you do in Northern Jersey or something like that. But that's that's not that crazy to think about. I don't agree with it. But, I mean, look, at a certain point, you go, uh, do you want a third team in New York, in a New York metro area, or do you want a team in San Antonio? Well, and, and so that's the other thing that I was talking about because one of the very popular ones for the NHL that has been thrown around is put a second team in Toronto. That the 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 that Toronto it's it's the center Getting of the that hockey close to happening, yeah. and and putting a second team there. But for me, and I know a lot of the conversations that I had heard was, how does a team like that do, especially in a market like Toronto, where I mean they're an original six franchise in the NHL. Yeah. So I mean you've got like deep rooted fandom there, and I always think about that. You know, you talk about the Dodgers you know, you putting another team in LA, like that's, you know, that's a historic franchise type yeah. thing. Are you, are you going to create fans of a new team in any reasonable amount of time? I'm kind of with you. If you're saying, yeah, I'm no. kind of with you, Harrison. I, I think that's no. really tough. I mean, look at the Rams and the chargers, man. Like nobody's going to become charger fans. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers, <laughs> the Clippers are never going to get a bigger foothold in LA. They're just not, no matter how good they are, no matter how bad the Lakers are. They're not going to grab a substantial foothold. Um, right. Trying to compete with the Dodgers—that'd be crazy to me. It'd be crazy to me. And yeah. even to a lesser extent, if you look over at MLS, MLS had a second team in LA, Chivas, who was not successful, and they 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 totally got squashed out. Now they have LAFC, but that was a team where you go, oh, LA Galaxy—that's not the same marquee kind of name that has the same history as the Dodgers, and yet. They, they couldn't survive. Yeah. But again, I, I don't know where you'd put it. Again, it could be the LA metro area. Maybe it's, you know, further east in like in Ontario, a place that, you know, has an AHL team, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it, it would be interesting to see because at some point yeah. there's only going to be so many markets. Would you make money? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which is what is at the forefront of, of most discussions when it comes Sold. to where you're going to expand. <laughs> <laughs> you check that box; it's probably a good idea, but um, it would be a pretty brutal experience, mm -hmm. I think. 
Yeah, the the one because I, I now seeing the way that the Golden Knights have done in Vegas, I think everyone needs to go to Vegas. I think Definitely. the NBA needs to be there. I think the MLB needs to be there. I think the NFL made a mistake relocating there. I think they should have, you know, I don't know if the NFL has any plans to expand, but I had conversations. This was uh, right before the Raiders arrived in Vegas. I was out there for an Avs Golden Knights game and the, the Golden Knights fans out in Vegas are super nice. They, they, they're just really excited to have a team. And I asked one person, which then their answer led me to ask about a dozen people over the course of the weekend. I said, oh, are you guys excited for the Raiders? And they said, hell no. I grew up hating the Raiders. I'm a, I think they were a Chargers fan. And so I thought that was interesting. And probably 10 of the 12 people that I asked all had a very similar response. And they were like, no, the Golden Knights, that's our hockey team. That's us. I hate the Raiders. I'm a Bronco fan. I'm a whatever fan. I, I grew up hating the Raiders. And I thought it was interesting because they don't look at the Raiders as their team. That looks like to them, they look at it as the Oakland Raiders playing in Vegas. And yeah. so I, I think, I think the leagues need to expand to those markets just because you move a team and you kind of have similar issues to what we were just talking about. You've got fandom already in place. You got to expand rather than relocate is, is way better for a new market. Yeah. You're, you're hundred percent right. I agree with that. If, if you're retreading one, you know, somewhere that maybe the league's already been like Seattle. Yeah. You could move a team back there for the NBA. Um, but I, I just think that when you're going to those new markets, just seeing the success the NHL has had now in Vegas and Seattle, um, I think expanding is is the way to go. In, in um, unless markets. unless I guess if it's the first team in that market, like you look at the Thunder and you go, yeah. hey, Oklahoma City is finally a, a big league city, quote unquote. Hey, that's the first one. We'll kind of take what we can get. But since Vegas had already gotten the Knights, they're like, okay, no, no, we, we want something fresh. We don't want yeah. leftovers. We don't want someone's hand-me-down. So right. if it's a new market, then maybe you can get away with that. But yeah. if, if they already have a, a big four team there, then you're right. You, you need to just be straight up expansion. So it has that fresh start. Yeah. Um, final thoughts, anybody uh, on expansion, ownership, anything like that, or everyone kind of good? Good. I, I'll say, I know I was, I was waxing poetic about the job Josh Kroenke has done <laughs> with, with the Nuggets. But I mean, one drawback, I think, from being a little disconnected from the city and the team, which I think the Kroenke's are. Like, they're mm -hmm. they're around. Like, Josh is in Denver. He goes to games. But I just think he's, like, a little disconnected is the fact that the altitude dispute with Comcast is still going on. And I think yeah. that is 100% a product product of Stan Kroenke just having his hands in so many different buckets and look he's got the Super Bowl going on this week you know, right, he's, got right. so, he's got Arsenal he's got so much stuff going on he's hosting and participating in the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's a big week for him it's been a big year for the Rams but I think not having altitude on most televisions in Colorado still after three years is kind of a result of him just like I said, having his hands in too many buckets and, and not being solely tied in to yep. the nuggets. Um, yeah. And like, if he was paying, if he had more of his mind on the nuggets during a 24 hour day, if you know, he was more centered on Denver, I think that dispute would be done because if he really wanted it to be done, it would be, it done. would be done. Yeah. So I, 
so that that is one drawback i think to to them um but um it, yeah. it, that part of it really does make it feel more like business transactional more than like I'm owning this team for this city, you know, for, you know, whatever it, it does make it feel a lot more. Yeah. Because that, that dispute right now, it's taking up like such a small area in his brain, like compared to everything <laughs> else. Yeah. It's a good point that if he didn't have a sports empire and he just yeah. had, he was just like a, a more typical traditional owner. Or he doesn't have teams in what four different markets? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, multiple would, countries. Right, and he would he would be a lot more hands on, paying attention, involved in what's going on with that dispute. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. My final Go point ahead, is the Rockies are going nowhere. They're not going to relocate. You can all hope about new ownership sure oh. fine but when you said of- going nowhere i took that very differently <laughs> look i didn't i was not thinking physically it was a but. statement that had two separate meanings i will yeah. i will address <laughs> one of them the double today. entendre i get it exactly okay. Fair enough. will be addressed on the dnvr rockies podcast shameless plug but the other one is the <laughs> literal geographical going nowhere because part of the whole mcgregor square deal was based around a new 30-year lease for the Rockies. So even if there is a new ownership, there's no way that they're going to break that and then somehow move to somewhere else. I know that was like a discussion by some people out there like, Oh, careful what you wish for. If there's a new ownership, it's, it's not going, they're not going anywhere. Tampa Bay has the same issue. They signed a 30 year lease to stay at a Tropicana field. And as awful as a facility that that is and as <laughs> much as they want to move and go somewhere else, even play half their season in Montreal, they can't do that. You're you're just stuck there. And so the Rockies aren't stuck in the negative way, but they are going to be staying in Denver for another 27 more years at Coors Field, regardless of who owns the team. So you don't have to ever worry about that. Well, and their attendance is always, uh, you know, top third of the league. So they're not hurting there either. And you never Um, have to worry about the stadium's name changing. It's it's done in perpetuity. $10 million for the rights. It will forever be Coors Field as long as it's on the corner of 20th and Blake. Damn. That might be a That's topic for another day. The naming yeah. rights and the money that comes with that. Yeah, there's uh there's some funny, funny kind of almost happens uh with with that. But we are gonna jump out here for the day. Thank you guys so much for following along. Like Patrick said, make sure you are listening to all of our podcasts uh, that we have across the DNVR network. Uh Rockies, Nuggets, Avs, Broncos, um, CSU Rams, Buffs. Uh, we got a golf pod. We got all kinds of stuff. So make sure you guys are checking it out. Uh, and we'll be back uh, later this week, actually, for another uh, Denver sports podcast. And then other than that, we will see you guys next week.